Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. So with Joyce and Amy, a podcast where we are sharing the inspiring stories of the real women in the emerging cannabis industry. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, political activist, lawyer, and I've been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, and along with my canna sister, mom, realtor, cancer survivor, Amy Searles, we are on a mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. So go make a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint and come learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamon Show with Joyce and Amy. Welcome to another episode of the Cannamom Show. We have um, a special guest with us today, in addition to our regular special guest, uh, our new social media coordinator here, uh, Rebecca Hest. We, um, she's a rising Northeastern star, uh, my alum. So we're proud to have her here. And, go Huskies. Uh, go Huskies. Go Huskies, yeah. man. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome aboard. Um, and Amy cannot be here with us today, but we do have Dave. He's our good Canterbury substitute. So welcome. Uh, an honor even just to be the substitute. It makes me <laughs> it makes me feel like sweet and low. I'm a substitute. That's okay. He's our, he's our man. He's our man model. Whatever. He's our, he's well, our one guy. He, our, go dude. on. <laughs> Everyone's always like, Dave, your voice, Dave. They always say that, the ladies. So. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> good thing they can't All see right. me. Yeah. But, 
<laughs> Someone must ask me, what does he look like? I'm like, hmm, it's a mystery. Yes, the man behind the voice. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so today's guest, let's introduce her and then we'll do a little COVID check-in because we like to see what everyone's been doing for the week. Today's guest is a graduate of the inaugural class of the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. She earned a revolutionary Master of Science in Medical Cannabis Science and Therapeutics. And this was not an obvious pivot in her life, but she got there because in 2014, she was an oncology and palliative care nurse. And just three months after giving birth to her son, she was diagnosed with MS. By the time she was 26 years old, she was on 13 medications and felt that MS had gotten the better of her. In 2018, her nursing career ended, but a new journey began. She is here today to share her story of transformation and healing and how it feels to be a pioneer in the world of treating cannabis as a pharmaceutical. And, of course, we will find out how she talks with her six-year-old, if he ever asks, about cannabis. Please welcome to the Canna Mom Show, Megan Lynn Pulaski, all the way from Florida. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, How is it down there? Warm, sticky? Warm, sticky, hard to breathe, a lot of mosquitoes, a lot of gators. And um, right now, currently where I am is kind of a little bit of a, I know we're going to touch on that in a minute, but it's a little bit of like a COVID epicenter. So there's like some mandatory mask regulations in place right now. So that and the 100% humidity, it's very pleasant. (laughs) Well, your hair looks good. uh, (laughs) I haven't gone outside yet. That's the truth. (laughs) <laughs> right, I didn't realize my, my cat is in the room. I didn't realize this. He's like walking around my legs. I was not expecting that. Uh, so, Dave, what's going on down there in Sharon? Well, oh, actually, before, you're, you're back in the studio. Yes, uh, Pod Six One Seven Studios, Westwood, Mass. I don't know when anyone's going to be joining me in here anytime soon, but we wanted <laughs> we wanted to get the studio ready for when that moment comes. We also sort of wanted to make it video friendly, so you can see of of uh, employed the Pod Six One Seven enormous tarp behind me, or whatever we want to call it. Things are good. And things are good in Massachusetts. And Megan, we don't mean to rub it in, but Massachusetts, number one in terms of lowest percentage. You saw this, right, Joyce? Lowest percentage mm-hmm. of, of COVID mm-hmm. cases. We're wicked serious about wearing our masks up here. So, you know, yeah, we're doing we were like, right. it was, we were scared. We we're scared for a while, <laughs> well, but now we're back. Scared. And yeah. Wicked scared. And we like Charlie Baker now. So, and that's. We could just whole. get everybody on the same page. Was, it would be nice, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's cannabis. We're, try, we're trying to heal the world with cannabis, getting everyone the same page. And, and that's where you come in. So, um, Let's talk about you. So you are a nurse. This was, you know, you are a traditional nurse in a traditional medical situation and you had a, you had a big pivot. So, um, yeah. So before this, before your MS, what talk about your nursing maybe and like how, um, once the MS and I hear the story on several different women I've been working with, the MS thing has come up and I've had friends who didn't know, Oh, I didn't know we're using cannabis for MS until after I started the podcast. So I know this is very important information for people to get. So how did your perspective change and, you know, really what happened? Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, first of all, I mean, it primarily affects women like four to one. Um, So I think that there's probably a lot of women who are using the power of this plant to help. uh, And the thing with MS is there's so much like polypharmacy because it's such a spectrum disease. No two people have the disease um, in the same way. Um, So what works for one patient could be detrimental to another and you really have to treat it like a thumbprint and i think that that's like where cannabis has been super helpful but um so well, the, per- the that, person it's a personalization which is you know we will yeah. get to that but that's the that's kind of the revolutionary part of this right 
but where you yeah. came from, kind of talked about where you came from to how you got to um, being in yeah. the pharmacy world. So I, um, I wanted to go to nursing school um, and they put us through like a bunch of different um, realms of nursing, home health and surgery and labor and delivery and things like that. And I immediately was drawn to oncology and palliative care. And I wrote the manager on the floor that I was just a student on. I had her write me a recommendation letter and I held on to it for years until I finished wow. the program and I sent it back to her when I applied for a job and I got a job on the dream floor that I wanted. Um, and that was wow. my first intro. It was, it's a, um, difficult dive into like that realm of nursing. And it really takes someone who like is willing to sit at the bedside and exactly. that sometimes, um, there's more than just passing, you know, pills, not to say that that's what that you really sit down, you're talking sensitive conversations. Um, I started at like, you know, I was like 21 years old and I'm sitting in on conversations about, um, you know, taking off life support and things like that. Um, but this is what you need. It's a, it's the human, it's again, we're talking about this in this COVID area. We're talking about caregiving. Like we undervalued it for so long. And these, you know, having a skilled as nurse, obviously you need to know the science and the technology, but you need to know how to connect to that human to help them heal. You know, it's more than just pills, right? Absolutely. And when you're in the hospital, I mean, it's the last place you want to be you have guards up because sometimes you're hearing conflicting information. So really the best thing that I found in all of my years that I could do for someone was it seems like the simplest thing, but I'd pull up a chair and I'd sit down. So I was talking to them at their level. Um, and that made a huge difference uh, when you're not standing at the doorway or trying to round really quickly. And I think True. that pushed me really far. Um, and I, went on and got a little more experience in oncology and stuff. And that's when I started getting a little bit of exposure to medical cannabis. You know, there were like instances when I would, you know, catch a, a patient smoking in the bathroom and stuff. And I started to explore a little bit about, you know, what is that, what exactly is it benefiting for you? And most of the times the answers I got were, um, it's the only thing that makes me eat, you know, that's, true. that's a big part of it. Honest. Yeah. You know, and being as passionate about that field as I was, you know, I'm thinking, you know, who am I to to stop someone if that's the only reason they can keep down a, a banana the whole day? And, what, you know, and, what, and what, what was your understanding of cannabis before you were involved with it? Were you afraid of it? Um, I mean, I always talk about how I was afraid of it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, with medical cannabis. Um, or does any was, cannabis, if you were coming in as a physician or a doctor or nurse and you saw a patient doing something, would you feel... I know, I, I've, I've heard different medical honestly, professionals say I, different things. I would kind of not be the one to tell them. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> um, okay. please don't do it near oxygen. My God. <laughs> <laughs> like, please don't the hospital. But no, honestly, most of the time it was in an edible form or something. Oh, um, smart. Yeah. But <laughs> which, honestly, you know, and I would chart it as like a narrative note or something. Okay. Um. But yeah, that's just the way I felt about it. And I mean, so you're you open. I, were you were you a consumer of cannabis before or did you consider I, it? An, um, I experimented in high school and okay. then I um, experimented in college a little bit, like before I like what dove deep in like nursing and stuff I didn't use while I um, was nursing. But um, I used it uh, and this was before my MS and everything. It would help um, 
you know, I had like some little headache problems, stuff that I think was probably indicative of the MS I was going to be diagnosed with that I did not realize Mm -hmm. um, that's what it was yet. So I had a a comfortable and pro relationship going in. It was just kind of the knowledge that I lacked. Everyone Um, lacks the knowledge. I mean, every, (laughs) we all do. Anyone who says that they're like an absolute expert, it's a constantly evolving field. Like, yeah, they're lying people. If they say they're an expert, they're lying. Yeah. (laughs) It just and I know a lot, and I know all these women who know a lot, and every day they're learning something new. Yeah, yeah. the only what you learn if you get far enough, you reach a level where you're like, I don't know what I don't know, and like yes. all these papers that I wrote and stuff are will probably be irrelevant in a year because that's how constantly it's changing. Um, so I had a very pro relationship with it, um, and then the beginning of my diagnosis, which coincided with beginning of my nursing career was a little difficult because I felt, um, you know, they have the regulations, you sign contracts that you're not going to use. Exactly. And, you know, that is unfortunately, according to scheduling, still an illicit substance that you can't use. Um, So I stopped. And that was actually right around the time where like the MS hit me really hard. I got the actual diagnosis and I didn't feel that I could turn back to it because I just was a brand new baby nurse. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to jeopardize my career. And instead, somehow I got into the bad cycle where they're like, we'll give you this pill for this problem. And then we'll give you another pill to treat the side effect and the problem. And before I knew it, I was on like 13 pills. I was on like ostentatious doses of Neurontin and Gabapentin and I just felt sluggish. And it was very common for me to work my 13 hour shift coming in like 630 in the morning, um, clock out at 8 PM and just walk right downstairs because the ER was right under me. And I would just, they put a room, get a room ready for me and just start infusing steroids. Jeez. And I was still in my scrubs from the day. So you just never left the hospital basically. Sometimes, Yeah. And sometimes what? that's like so gross. I'm oh. like, Oh my God, should I, I just want to go home and shower and then come back. But I felt too bad. Oh, man. What about and what I, year was this Megan? Um, I mean, this was pretty constant from 2014 to 2018. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so you, so basically you had been sort of probably helping yourself stay balanced with the cannabis, got off the cannabis completely, got on a lot of medications, which made you sicker, which made you lose your job anyways, which is a jeopardy you were trying to stay away from by using cannabis. That is <laughs> ironic. Yeah, it's, it's a funny little catch 22, isn't that? Um, but it led you to a new spot. It did. It definitely did. It, like I got to a point where like in 2018, I was getting evaluated for stem cell transplant and I'm still trying to work full time. Um, but, um, I tried one last, it was supposed to be like the brand new, uh, Mac daddy of like biologics. And I had, um, like an anaphylactic reaction and my throat closed and they had an airway and stuff. And that was, and then resultant of that, I had my brain was swollen for quite a bit and I ended up developing (laughs) sepsis. And I lost my ability to have children. I was out of work. Um, my manager at that point kind of sat me down and said, like, I think that you're too sick to practice anymore. So that was kind of my transition towards um, the end. And you're you young. You're in your 20s, right? Right. And I'm, like my world is falling apart. Um, uh, was the, was the pl- Megan, was the plan to just kind of marshal on and hope that the symptoms never became overwhelming? 
looking back, it was um, because of kind of a relapsing, remitting nature of the disease. I would find myself when I did have a day, a couple, what I would consider good days, I would just, uh, just pray that like the last relapse was the last time and take it. It wasn't a very responsible way of going about it. And I just felt a lot of anger. And I think that, um, the headspace contributed to that. I felt like it wasn't fair. Yeah. I worked hard on this degree and now I'm what, I can't use it now. And you're, <laughs> and you're, and you're a kind person who wants to give back palliative care and oncology. Just, I mean, who sat by people's bedsides. You're like an angel to come down and like, to be like, and work so hard. And then bad for myself because that's what I worked with all day. And then I felt like I couldn't even grieve what I felt I'd lost. So I just right. was a really, it was a hard time. You know, I loved what I did and I think I was very good at it. Um, but it, it's the definition of that. You can't pour from an empty cup. And um, I hated that like the hospital would have rather me, you know, give them prescriptions and show them what I'm on. And some of them are very like sedating and um, they were fine with that, but not fine with me, like maybe using cannabis, you know, after a shift or something. And, you know, so this is, again, this is, this is the craziness we want to stop. These are women. These are, and the stories are so, they're so uniform that these are women who want to care for people who get so sick that they have to use their own bodies as, um, they're testing, they're using their own bodies as guinea pigs and, and you and you understand science and you understand nursing. And unlike me, who I say, I understand nothing about my body, you know how things work and you are still able to get into that mind space where you are, because the authorities or the rules or the policies, it's really the policies of these hospitals forced you to really hurt yourself in a very dangerous way. That's just the frustrating. Po- <laughs> knowledge, um, you know, I did, I mean, I also worked at like a, a Moffitt Cancer Center. It's like a top 10 cancer um, hospital in the U.S. And there were a lot of oncologists I worked with where I like to, a lot of the things I encountered with my patients were, you know, their loss of identity uh, with women, particularly a lot of like the anxiety and some of like the bedside counseling I did was related to losing their hair, Um and stuff like that. And it, um, it's very, there was just a lack of knowledge. Like there's little things that like you can use tea tree oil on your nails to strengthen them when you're going through chemo. But there were some professional encounters I had where, um, they were so unwilling to even learn about, um, not only cannabis, but even like a topical herbal supplementation like that, because it was not within the realm of what they learned and what they became an, an expert in. Right. And, um, you know, and then I started, I started going um, to an infusion center and I would hear stories from patients that would tell me, um, and this is what was most shocking, that would tell me about them using cannabis. And then they would say, please don't tell my physician. Right. Because I'm, because I'm going to feel judged. And exactly. that is really hard to hear. <laughs> me because I have this instinct to want to help and I'm you know there are considerations that do need to be taken like really the oncologist should be knowing they should know. that, they should know because- that coincide with whether it's the chemo itself or an adjunct medication and that's dangerous um I it was very dangerous for physicians to not 
um, be open to learning about this, regardless of maybe if they were raised or went to school in like a Nixon. Right. Again, this is this isn't an issue of morality. This is an issue of biology. And then if our medical administrations, our medical doctors, our nurses are not willing to open their minds to the idea that this can be a used in conjunction with whatever medicines they know that it's malfeasance. It feels like it, it just, it's, it's, it, it's, and I said this in other shows, it just, it's just, it's just sort of ignorance. It's just like a willingness to be, I didn't learn in a med school. I never knew what the endocannabinoid system, if I don't know it, it can't be real. And I'm not willing to invest my time and energy and learning about it. So I just, I find that very, um, you need so to like you. Yeah. yeah. Of- because it is doing harm and that's the antithesis of the Hippocratic oath. Exactly. So for you, so personally, so you're getting sicker and sicker. They're telling you you can't work, basically. So were you try, were you getting back on cannabis at this point, or how did you realign yourself? Yep. So I, I ended um, the career, and then, you know, I'm like, what am I going to do? Uh, but I made that choice consciously. You know, I, um, even though it was like being encouraged, I was like, I, I really want to see, I've been kind of forced to take this pharmaceutical route with my MS because of my profession, right. how, how I felt about it. And I would, um, so I, I relinquished my right to practice and right after that, the first thing I did was get my med card and, um, and in Florida, right? It was a matter, yeah, I think it was a matter of like a week after I was scrolling Facebook actually, and I saw um, the ad for the University of Maryland that they were going to have this inaugural program. And I felt like uh, the universe just aligned in that moment. And I'm like, sometimes it does. I, I believe it now. I'm back, I'm back in this world. Like, I'm like a lawyer and I think a certain way, but I'm like getting into this. Nothing is an accident, <laughs> everything's yeah. for a reason. So, yeah. It's not an yeah, it was like specifically to get a better grip on my own headspace, um, maybe my spirituality, my health, my diet, everything. And then that fell right into my lap, you know. Perfect. So how, um, so this is appealing to you. So when you actually got there, who was in your class? Who, are, who, who else is like joining you on this mission, this journey? Yeah. So um, it what really appealed to me is that they – it's through the School of Pharmacy, however, it is open to people in a non-medical, non-science background. So some of the most interesting people that I met were actually lawyers from various states across the country that are working on expungements of marijuana convictions. So that really tailored my interests because I could learn a lot about policy and regulations and stuff that I'm not super well-versed on. Um, you know, I can talk about like terpenes and this and that, but that really interested me. And um, but, but that's and so important because it is, it does cover so much. You know, I did come into it and Dave's a lawyer too. The idea of the policy, the regulations, the laws, you know, that's actually what allowed, allowed this to happen. This hundred years of bad law created a whole world that is unsettled. So now we're redoing it based on science, you know, but you right. have to understand the policies and you have to understand, you know, a lot of policies are just based on bad information, you know, and if you don't, somebody understands that, then you can't change the policy. So it's really important, that part of it. I think the history of cannabis is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the way they structured that program, we first learned kind of like a short history of cannabis and how, you know, um, over, you know, a century ago, it was uh, cannabis was in, I believe it was at least a hundred like medications or elixirs or something like listed by U.S. Pharmacopoeia. Yeah, somebody told me like everybody had a cannabis tincture in their in their cabinets. That was just like a part of like medicine. 
Yeah, you'll look at his like history pictures and sometimes I'll see tinctures and they say like for women's problems and it was it's literally like alcohol, morphine and cannabis, which I'm not condoning, but it's crazy that that existed. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what ladies used to use. <laughs> and now it's back. Yeah. So yeah. That'll, that'll help PMS, I'm sure. <laughs> uh-huh. And staying at home. 24-7. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I started with the yeah. history, which I think, again, that's what sort of transformed my understanding of it once I decided that what I knew about cannabis was wrong and learning about the history, just it opens your eyes and it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Like once you understand how it, we got here, it makes a lot of sense why it looks like this and and it allows you the roadmap to undo it, I think. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, uh, so that was a good place to start. And then we had um, a symposium last fall. It was really exciting because um, you just have so many different educational backgrounds meeting. So in addition to like um, like some of the lawyers I met, there were a lot of, there were a good number of physicians who were. Oh, that's hopeful. That's hopeful. So it is hopeful. Um, you know, a couple oncologists. I've met two oncologists, I think two oncologists. Um and then as well, a lot of people from like the horticulture side. Yeah, that's who big. Know a lot about the R&D side of cannabis. Um, so everyone has something to contribute. And the versatility in the program makes it very cool if you're working in like a group project because everyone is contributing something. About, so about, about what do you like the makeup? Men, women, uh, class size? Like how big is it actually? Um, so they, in, in our inaugural class, I think it was 500. Um, mm. And that was like opened up to applications like from around the world. So there's a guy from Hong Kong, guy from Australia that I'm friends with that I met at the symposium and stuff. So definitely an honor. Um, wow. You know, these people have really like impressive backgrounds. But um, And who was cool- teaching? Who was teaching the classes? Who are the people actually educating you? Yes. <laughs> um, there's... Uh, the program director, um, they're both, far, there's two of them, both of them are both pharmacists. And interestingly, I think both of them have a background in palliative care okay. as well, um, which just goes to show you uh, there's something going on with the efficacy the that people are trying to like maintain dignity through like the dying process that they're just not getting from uh, like current pharmacological mm-hmm methods. Um, yeah. And then there's a chemistry professor, which interestingly, um, I always hated chemistry. And I somehow got, I had this little loophole in college when I was doing my prerequisites for nursing school, where somehow you had to take a chemistry, you just had to. Um, but one semester, they told me you could take the biology of humans, and okay. it will count. And I jumped on that because I'm like, I was scared of chemistry. It just looked horrible to me. And I like loopholed my way out of that. But now I was in this program and I'm faced with this advanced degree, like uh, chemistry course. And I found out I loved it. Well, it's, you know, it is I'm scaring myself off from something I enjoyed. It's all, it's I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't really know science, but yeah, the chemistry of it. And like when they extract the things, all the extract, people tell me all about the extractions and the, I took my mom to one of these. Um, yeah. Some of the synthetic, like the FDA approved, um, yeah. like synthetic cannabinoids, um, sesame and marinol, um, yeah. a little bit about that. And it got to the point where like when lockdown got really bad down here, well, I mean, it's been pretty bad down yeah. in Florida, but um, it was sit, I sat one day and I was like trying to design um, my own like cannabinoid compound. Actually. Yeah, I say, so you have an idea. Don't you have a patent idea? 
Is that um, part I, of it? I do. I do <laughs> yes. And it's actually, um, so there is like a current, a big company that does, they do like um, cannabinoid um, vaginal suppositories. Which um, I love. I actually talk about, I'm like, yeah. we, had, we have like doctors, women doctors have been talking to us about good ways to get it into your system. And the vaginal area is it actually... It's, yeah, so transposal yeah. <laughs> is a wonderful delivery yeah. method. That, so, that, I mean, that includes anything that's going to be penetrating a mucous membrane. So, that would include your traditional suppository, a vaginal suppository. Right. Um, sublingual would p- fall under that as well. So, it's an mm-hmm. excellent system. But the company um, that I order from, and I order just to kind of see a little bit, they um, they do like hemp-derived, um, like CBD. You, I guess you can get the THC ones if you live in California. Oh, yeah. But yep. I couldn't test that out and get it shipped. Mm-hmm. But my idea was actually because I started learning a lot about um, Delta 8 THC, which is what we're familiar with Delta 9, I think, most traditionally. But Delta 8 is being studied a lot for some um, anti-neoplastic properties. And I thought, how great if you did maybe like a one-to-one ratio. All right. Can you just explain what Delta eight and Delta nine really, is that an endocannabinoid or is that a, what is it? Delta? What are they? So so Delta nine, um, THC is, uh, our traditional like THC that we're used to that you'll, when you go to a dispensary, you'll see it in percentages and stuff. Usually THC or CBD Delta eight is, um, chemically almost the same. I think it's just missing a part of like the carbon tail, but it's like a, I guess, how would I put this? Maybe a sister. Okay. If that helps or makes sense. Yeah, no, I, again, I, I, I'm limited in my science understanding. Proactive activity, okay. Okay. Which feels to appeal to me, um, as a mom, absolutely and as a student, because um, and I started using Delta Eight um, in inhalation form because I just felt I was probably all the pharmaceuticals over the years probably promoted a lot of mutations and stuff, and anything I can do to combat some sort of malignancy, I'm all for. And the, not really having much, it has about ten percent of the psychoactivity. I wouldn't say none, mm-hmm. um, but significantly less because I wanted something I could feel comfortable if I needed to like drive my son on, mm-hmm. I'm very open with him about, he calls it my stinky medicine. Oh, that's- <laughs> <laughs> you, said, um, you said, Megan, you said inhalation. You mean like a, like an inhaler form? Like you take a um, couple puffs? No, I, started, I started it in a, in a vape inhalation. Okay. Um, it's pretty hard to, the market down here isn't huge for it. I think that a lot of it's still stuck in like R and D and stuff, but I think there's a lot of potential so is that an oil? Is it an oil vape or a flower? What is it? Um, it's mine is an oil vape, but okay. you can extract it in any form. So that kind of was what sparked the idea of trying to extract um, Delta eight and infuse it into a vaginal suppository. And I was thinking, how great would this be for like women who suffered like gynecological cancers or something? Um, so that and the quarantine made the perfect <laughs> for me to like sit at my desk and furiously try and design this. <laughs> um, I love it. I love the idea. Oh my Joyce, God. Yeah, I, Joyce, I, 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 it's yeah. a good thing the show is primarily for Canna moms and not so much the can because I don't think there's an equivalent to that method of ingestion for a male. I guess could, we could do the suppositories. Yeah, could, you could do a regular suppository. Okay. It's actually right. really super effective. You know, you can make years using like some of the distillate and stuff so but yeah that's probably the first time that might have been brought up i'm guessing <laughs> well <laughs> anyone yeah. anyone listening anyone <laughs> anyone and their eyes just get so big <laughs> it's uh, i'm just as a male i'm thinking no fair we can't do that i'm just kidding i'm just 
Well, and, you know, and, and I, this, you know, the more I talk about this, the more women who open up about like this, uh, the use for CBD oils for um, intimacy and what all these different topics that I haven't really gotten into yet. But, um, you know, the men can listen to because it helps them if they understand what works for us. So, yeah, I think there's definitely <laughs> some, some use for like intimacy. I think the only thing that like men and women have to be cognizant of is sometimes that it's not super compatible with like latex. Um, so oh, that that's actually a consideration, but mm-hmm. I think natural. <laughs> <laughs> um, from being like a natural derived um, source and having like those anti-inflammatory effects is never going to be a bad thing mm-hmm. if you're using it for intimacy. Right, so. so I'm a, I support it. <laughs> All right. We're good. That's, <laughs> we love that. Okay. So we got moving on, moving on. All right. So you're in Florida. Yes. Florida is very different from Massachusetts. Um, so what's going on with the Florida laws? I mean, not just COVID, not COVID, Florida, <laughs> cannabis, THC, what is it? How does it work there? You know, what's the status? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have the um, Office of Compassionate Use, which is through the department, our Florida Department of Health. Um, I'm sure the process is pretty similar for like actually obtaining a card. Um, what I feel is a little bit lacking and what makes it a little bit different from other states, um, especially when I went up to like Maryland and I saw their yeah. program is um, I've noticed in the I noticed in Maryland, they had to have a, um, at least a nurse practitioner or a pharmacist or somebody with clinical experience on site at the dispensary right. for patients to be able, and, and it should be that way. It's like, if you go to CVS and pick up a prescription, there's that consultation window and you should be able to ask a question about something that you're putting into your body. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, that, it's that funny disconnect between like we like recreational and medicinal, which it really is, it's a false distinction. And we just interviewed a woman out in Carmel, California, and that's her model. You know, she's a, it's a woman centric um, dispensary all about holistic and having pharmacists, having medical professionals on staff, because otherwise it's your, basically it's your Starbucks barista, Starbucks barista who's your bartender is making right. medical decisions. And again, what we talked about before, if medical professionals can't really help us, you know, you know, what's going to interact with it. If the, medical professional you're working with isn't open to it, then that's the person you're talking to is the person at the dispensary. So it's so important to have non-knowledgeable individuals there who understand how this really works in a scientific way, not in a, it's going to get you so high and you're going to feel good. It's, you know, it's more than that, obviously. And down here, uh, that's just not required. And Hmm. um, that's interesting. I, I went to a dispensary and I took a job as like an associate and a I actually left after a week because I was just shocked by some of the things I saw and I just couldn't be a part of it. Um, I mean, they would have, we would get patients who are coming in and basically in Florida, you know, these doctors get their marijuana certification. They they just read from a flyer and it's like, it's important to start low and go slow. Um, And I would go over to the guys at this dispensary. Um, They're reputable and they'll know, but I mean, the truth of the matter is they, these associates, it's a little bit of a monopoly situation down here, but pretty much across the state, they get paid between $10 and $15 an hour. Maybe they smoked a joint once in Jimmy's garage like a long time ago. Um, that's, but it's that's, scary. that's scary because people are relying upon the people there. It's, it's the only source of information that they have. Is, right. is there any, is there any um, remedy to that? Are some dispensaries just better than others? Um, 
you know, I think that there are some that they take a little more personalized time for you. Um, there's is it medical and what is, what's the status? Of- only, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't answer that. It's only yeah, yeah. medical. Um, it's only okay. medical, and there's currently not. Um, it's not passed that you can grow your own in Florida, so you do have to obtain it. So, it. so, so, so to have just a medical program and not to enforce. Tra- I mean, up here, I would say the dispensaries they do enforce. You know, they talk about training and they talk about making. You know, uh, they still are employees at a certain level and not medical professionals, but they are pretty good about making sure their medical dispensaries have well-informed staff. Yeah. But the idea that it's only a medical and that's not something that's being, I don't know, that's, well, you guys aren't wearing masks either. So I don't know. It's Florida. (laughs) I don't Florida, Florida. More a little bit like a sales job and they'll try and sell, let's say like I witnessed, this was like one of the, my reasons for leaving. I witnessed, um, a patient come in who, um, they, maybe it was for insomnia or something, but I mean, they were cannabis naive. They were definitely, they never even experimented back in when they were a kid, um, nothing. And the associate tried to sell the patient RSO, which is probably possibly the strongest concentrated, uh, form that you can take cannabis. And I mean, I like, I reserved that for like the most painful of painful things that I would go through myself. And it's very, a syringe can hold 750 to like a thousand milligrams of THC. And for perspective, if you're smoking, if you smoke an entire joint, which usually that's a lot, you usually do half a time, but an entire full gram joint would be about 20 milligrams. So if you get the dosing wrong on that, you can really... I mean, it's not going to hurt you. Thankfully, cannabis doesn't kill. Um, it won't make it. You won't feel good, and then you won't be able to go back and try it again for something yeah, that could really help. Definitely, especially if they're on some sort of. Um, I just the way I felt is um, there should have been more education, and I've I've, I've visited dispensaries like on both coasts and stuff, and there are some that are better, and um, they will say at least that they'll look things up for you, but it pretty much goes to the extent of let me look up the terpene profile because also one of the things that I notice a difference between up North and down here is they don't put a terpene profile on the label that they print out for you. Um, so I actually have to look up a lab report every time if it's a strain that maybe I don't recognize off the top of my head and right. it's not like right there on Leafly. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Cause that is, again, that is so important in terms of like, I know we're rounding up on our time, but, you know, the personalization of medicine is a lot of this is it's not just the CBD, the THC, the eight and whatever, the endocannabinoids. A lot of it is the terpene profile. And so I was telling him my son has a friend who's got Tourette's mm-hmm. and he's been used and he was on a lot of medications in high school. And at the end of his, I think his senior year, his parents got him on, um, decided to start using cannabis. But Great. he's a very self-reflective kid and he's wicked smart. He's doing some stuff at MIT and he understands he explained to me the process he went through to figure out the strain that worked with him, which was so self-reflective, but it had a lot to do with terpene structure. It does. It does. I think you're kind of there. You see a lot of people are trained down here that are like, I just want the highest THC percentage. And they think that that's a hundred percent, um, answer to their problems every time. And it's not, um, I think all this ties together and it's like the way that we're gonna, um, you know, safely, promote use of medical cannabis is empowering the patient. Like definitely the 
physicians need to be empowered. Um, they need to know that like, they're not going to be liable if they truly think that medical cannabis might be an option for making a referral. Yes. <laughs> uh, know that, and that was a very good assignment that I worked on once. Um, okay. And yeah, and I think just the more knowledge the patient has, um, then the easier it is to treat like such with such a thumbprint. Yeah. And, um, and so, where, so where do all your fellow graduates go? Where they all head out to to save the world in different parts? Are they going to dispensaries, the hospitals? Done, not done yet. Actually. Oh, you're not done yet. Okay. <laughs> we're yeah, we're I'm more than a little more than halfway. Oh, okay, um, sorry. But what, what? I'm in my last year. Um, but uh, right now. Well, there's a lot of healthcare providers, so some of them yeah. are a little um, frazzled up in the air right now. Um, they actually changed our symposium in the spring to a virtual one, which I was disappointed because I love the networking. Aspect. Oh yes, absolutely. Really good speakers like Dr. Dustin Sulak. I like him. Yep. Familiar, like has done um, did a lecture for our symposium online and stuff. So they've done a good job and they've been very accommodating. Um, I would say a lot of them are probably just like head deep in um, the cases they're working on because they're getting this degree as an adjunct to their medical degree. Yeah. Um, but it could help COVID, COVID, COVID and cannabis. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, I, I read a lot of that research that comes about it, um, you know, working to prevent like SARS associated with COVID and stuff. And I find it super interesting. And so I what do you, what do you, what do you have any, do you have any like uh, insider information? <laughs> I can tell you, if you want to look at like the best um, medical cannabis R and D, I always look to the studies that Israel is doing. Uh, Israel, every show, every hey. show. Hey. <laughs> um, New Zealand is actually also pretty good as well. Okay. And yeah, I, it's been such a, I mean, everyone was very worried about me when this pandemic started, like I'm sure my past in the hospital and my immune system and getting septic and they were very worried, but I, um, I really feel that the cannabis helped me to get to such a headspace and a level of health. I'm not off like all of my immunosuppressive meds, all my symptoms, everything now and i've i've never felt better um and i think that it's just safe practices as regarding you know people talk about lung injury and stuff like that but it's just practices and there's ways to do it and all that does is just it's just taking the time to do your proper research um i've never felt better (laughs) you look good so all right so this is great i'm gonna come back but um we have to take a break so we'll be back after this break with more from our guest megan pulaski and you'll find out what my favorite thing is this week when we come back from my Jane. Be back in a minute. All right. So what we want to talk about today are the My Jane products. And Amy and I um, each got a box, which we are going to be talking about in a minute. But I wanted to say the first thing I noted about the My Jane products, which are really special, these CBD products that are curated by women for women and are supporting women businesses, is the beautiful smell. Amy, when's the last time you got a box and you open it up? It was so fragrant. Oh, <laughs> I know. It, it was a lovely coconutty, vanilla-y, just a lovely scent. I love it. I have it on my hands right now. I have uh, the cocoa canna hemp oil body butter. So that's one of the products that's in there. Oh, and that's all one of the products in the box. And oh. there are lots of different, so these are all, they're different products that are curated by MyJane. They had um, 
Right. Well, it, so you were you, you were the girlfriend box. So it's kind of curated I, yeah, towards like um, like if you have like a friend, you want to give something to a friend or like a wedding gift, yeah, something like oh, that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Birthday gift, just a thank you gift. Okay. Anyone that's interested in CBD and you know doesn't know what product to get, this is absolutely perfect. So what I kind of things what? are in there? Like how many things do you think? Maybe six things? No, there's like 11 or oh, 12 wow. okay. items in there. Okay. And there's also this gorgeous piece of jewelry. So I guess each box gets a different piece of jewelry and it's called uh, purpose and purpose. So every time you buy a box and you get the jewelry and the proceeds go to this organization that helps women, uh, girls uh, that were trafficked. Yeah. I sad. mean, yeah. It's so sad. And they make the jewelry. And I just feel like this is such a great way of like helping. You know, and, you get to shop and and, and, it, and within and in the package actually I think there's a, a little note that says the girl or some a connection to the actual girl who you're made the, yes. the jewelry. So it's 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 a nice connection. So it's a it's a high end box. The box is very oh. solid. My friend oh my who was just on said you could probably use the box of the stash box afterwards if that's your thing. I think it's a it's a perfect <laughs> stash stash box. It's absolutely perfect. And we're talking about this a lot. So why don't you yes, go yes. To, in our notes? We you can go to the My Jane um, mm-hmm. link in our notes or um, yep. check out their website. And if it's something that you're interested in, you can get a full box. You can get it for yourself. You can get it for a friend. You can get a product within it. So let us yep. know what you think because the Canon Mom Show we like these products and we want to share them with you. Welcome back with my guest, Megan. Um, and before we finish up her story and talk about how she talks to her son, I want to talk about my new favorite thing. So I know this is usually Amy's section because she likes to go shopping, but I like to shop too. So um, I found this product online. It is from a company called Cool Buddy Party. It's called The Buddy. It's just a little one hitter and it is very discreet. This is sort of the way I like to consume. Um, she engraved it for me. So it actually has the Canamom show. So I know it's mine and not my kids things because they take all my stuff. So this is mine. It has a um, removable top. So you can actually take the top off and clean it out. It's pretty easy. It looks Joyce, like that. Joyce, did you say true buddy? What did you say? Cool. It's oh, cool, cool buddy. Oh, cool but buddy. it's called a buddy. Just a little so and it does, you can fill it and it's got a little rubber stopper, which I've already lost. But just so you know, they will send you more because when I asked her, she said, we'll send you a bunch because people always lose them. So they'll probably be under your car seat for the rest of your life. You'll just be taking it off and losing them. But it's adorable. It's convenient. Um, It's about $20, I think. It's personalized. You can't lose it. Um, They're very nice people. So I recommend it. The Go Buddy. You can get your own and uh, check it out. It'll be in the show notes. It's at uh, coolbuddyparty.com. Calm. And it's interesting, they, the way they promote the product is to make sure you know it's not a vape. It's, it's not a vape. Right. It's yeah. a one hitter. Right. I got it. It's very, is, very yeah. sleek looking. And I also, the reason I found it, someone was asking how, your favorite way to consume, like, I, which is actually something I ask my guests a lot. And I do like to take, it's like, this is my thing. Like, it's just a couple of hits. It's all I need. <laughs> it makes I love me feel that. Good. I'm a flower girl. So I think that that is so cute. <laughs> anyway, so she reached out to me and I was like, yeah, I love this thing. So I'm glad I could help promote it. Buy one, bring it with you, stick it in your pocketbook. I got, oh, actually, remember Anna B, the um, woman who had the uh, pocketbooks that were uh, smell resistant? Right. She sent me one. Oh, nice. It was so cute. <laughs> and my daughter likes it so much. She took it. <laughs> See, Megan, this could help and your son wouldn't call you stinky anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, which I was just thinking. So you could, in the anime bag, there's a place where you could put your half smell joints or whatever smelly products are in your bag that really when you smart. open them up, you know, create a wife and everyone wonders what's going on. You can put it in there and it's all good. All right. Um, 
You like that. All right. So let's talk about your son and the stinky weed. <laughs> well, it was super important to me, um, you know, that he understand that it's um, a medicine and it's not something to be ashamed of. Or, a shame, right. Perfect. Yeah. You know, um, because I think that that's the stigma that like, unfortunately, it's it's really hard to undo if you grew up that way. Well, that's um, what I'm doing. I'm totally undoing. It's, it's hard, hard to undo it. Hard Very to hard. It. It's hard, you know, imagine growing up in that era and then becoming a doctor on top of that where you're not taught, like, it's hard for people. Mm. So I, it was important to me that I start young. And so I said, I sat down and I explained it to him and I even like, I mean, I didn't let him like hold it or lick it or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I showed him and I was like, yeah. so, you know, um, he, he doesn't know a lot about my MS. He calls it the dizzy disease because that was like the, my number one, uh, symptom was just getting dizzy all oh, the wow. time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, the first thing he asked, he said, well, does this help you not be dizzy? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Right. And he's like, well, then you should take it. And I was, he was five at the time. Oh, um, and perfect. I, yeah. And I said, well, you know, and I know it's a little stinky, like, and I won't, I won't do it in the room with you, but sometimes I, mommy needs to go like in the bathroom or on her porch to do it real quick. And, um, you know, I, I'm just really honest about what it exactly. helps with. And, um, to him, I think that in his eyes now he sees that the same as if I were to like, go get an aspirin exactly. closet. And that's my goal because I don't want it to be taboo and I want him to feel like he can ask me questions or even if he does hear something, you know, at school that I want him to feel comfortable coming to me because that's how um, stigmas break as you start young. Exactly. And how do other moms react? I've gotten like a couple looks like, you know, yeah. dropping off school where, um, you know, I hadn't like maybe sprayed myself and that sticks to your hair. That's kind of like <laughs> the one thing, um, you know, but it could, be the, marijuana, it could be the marijuana shirt, Megan. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Could be the smell. Could be the shirt. <laughs> I don't know. I do not wear this one to carpool. <laughs> like, there's a difference between, like, shoving it on people. And but have you, have you had any parents say that your son couldn't play with their son because they know about your cannabis? Um, it has not happened. Okay. Um, that would make me sad if I heard it did. So, I hope. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that has not happened. And, um, I you know, I would hope that anyone... Um, that my son is playing with that the parents would be, you know, um, respectful in knowing that I, you know, I'm not going to like smoke and then like go drive two five-year-olds around town. And I'm not also, I, I do try and limit a lot of like my daytime use and I do very small, like one hitter type things like the like, go buddy. Exactly. <laughs> I know I can get one, um, like consistently throughout the day. Like, I mean, the only time I would say where I, I have to smoke a lot enough to like, really really be affected would be night time and that's just uh part of but but again this is sort of, sort of the story i want to get out is that so i said my kids were little i didn't consume i was an attorney i was very stressed out and the idea that i could have come home and had one hit or something that would have maybe sort of more relaxed and able to be with them that would have been great right yeah. oh, so okay our guest last week had like a dog barking our dog barking for like 10 minutes and we're like finally <laughs> <laughs> but she couldn't she couldn't hear it because the earphones are on um anyways but that idea that you know you're just you're it's it's helping you get through the day it's not making you it's making you more efficient or more um attuned parent because you're involved with them in a way that you couldn't be if you were in pain and you couldn't acknowledge it you know it's hard when you're not feeling well to be with your child and you're and you're not and it's like that thing like you're not high you're 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 medicated to so you can function it's a different right yeah 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, like moms get a little bit of like that guilt. And I used to really lay that on myself. But now something that kind of helped was um, when I roll a joint, this is something I had a habit I came across by like a friend who I'm very close with now. um, And he told me that he blessed his cannabis. Oh, and, um, you know, we ended up going about it in different ways. I'm more, um, I talk about I just I hold the joint in my hand and I think about what I'm grateful for and I focus on what exactly I want it to work on you know maybe it's my muscles that are a little off that day um and I really kind of set an intention and that really helps keep the mindset of like this is like a medicine and I'm really grateful for it and not like I just want to get stoned oh I'm, I love that message and I like that um church like, oh, of can- a, I, it's the yeah. church of cannabis Joyce. yeah but it's, it's the I don't know it's this idea that so if you are being, if you're shamed for it, your intention can't be clear because your setting is probably stressful, right? So if you're hiding it in the bathroom or in the closet or wherever people were smoking with their kids, mm-hmm. that they're stressed, they're taking their hit to relax them, but their intention is bad. You know, they can't be where they need yeah. to be. Whereas if you the, understand- the setting matters. And that setting matters. Your, your own um, intention and what's going on in your head when you partake in it. And, you know, it's- I think it's over like a quarter of U.S. prescription medicines are have at least like one active ingredient that's from a natural derived source. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that um, some of like the most toxic chemos come from plants. Digoxin is a heart medicine. That's like foxglove and stuff. So I think the more people understand about the plant and realize that they might be on something that's already from a naturally derived yeah. source... Um, that's how we keep it going. Just keep the education. But, but again, as, again, that's that's your role. You know, everyone has their place in the cannabis world. This is you found your place. Like you understand this, you can explain it to people. You're a walking testimony to it. Testamentary. You know, you're you're it. You're the full package. So, welcome. Thank you for your story. Thank um, you. All right. So, if people want to get in touch with you, um, I know you're still in school now, and you've got a kid. But if they want to reach you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, so I, um, I, my Instagram name, I'm pretty active on that and I'm pretty okay. easy to find because my name is Maggie Jane for oh. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be in the notes. I feel like to use a lot of like, um, plat, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, don't follow if you don't want to see adorable pictures of my six-year-old once in a while, but <laughs> we like to use it a lot for like raising awareness just about the plant and, um, uh, everything that goes into it and education and stuff. So, um, that, Good. or I can always provide you with, uh, an email. Okay. Or, well, 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 if you want to reach out to her, we'll have the no- show, show notes. And, um, so thank you. Thank you for joining us. The hour always goes so fast with my guests because you guys are so interesting. <laughs> so, all right. So for my guest today, Megan Pulaski, thank you for joining us. Um, good luck with a new career. Good luck finishing school. I know it's a, the virtual leading world. I live with two college students, so I'm in the middle of it too. It's a different thing. Um, what a great guest. Um, and just to say, this is our final guest for season one. Oh, my God. Um, you did it. I you know. did it, Chris. <laughs> I, think show, I think you're show 50, maybe 49. I don't know. I, I kind of lost track. But um, so thank you for being our finale guest. You're phenomenal. I want to thank um, Amy. Sorry she couldn't be here for our last show. But, of course, we had David, our canna bro. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure being yeah. here, as usual. You're welcome. Um, our special thanks to our intern, Jamima, and the Canna Mom Show's new social media coordinator, Becca. Hope you had a good time listening today. Um, I want to acknowledge Josh Lampkin for writing and performing the Canna Mom theme music. Check out his new link in the notes. He's got a new 
band, Blame Jane, and uh, I listen to them every night because they play right here in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no cover charge. No cover charge. We had a show last Saturday. Um, our business team, Kelly Dolan of Retail Results, Laurie Lennon of Thank You Beta Media, Kim Kramer of McLean Middleton, and of course, of course, Cannabis Creative Group. And without all of you, without all of them, the Cannabis Show would not have made it through season one. So I really, really have to thank them. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannabis Show. In the past year, we have shared the stories of almost 50 women in the emerging cannabis industry, found dozens and dozens of favorite things, written so many blogs. We've doubled our social media following, partnered with MyJane, attended in-person and virtual cannabis events, and we hosted one great giveaway campaign, The Bong for Mom. And we are planning season two after I take a much needed break. In the fall, the Cannabom Show will be back to share the stories of women like Melissa Whiteley, the founder of Muzzle Tub Farms in California, mm. Chia Rodriguez of Mendocino Generations, an alliance of cannabis farmers, Diana Chung, the powerhouse behind Sun Me Beauty, my new favorite face serum, and so many more. Um, so we'll be back in the fall to continue, to continue talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. And we hope that you'll join us in the fall to be inspired by the revolutionary women leading in the cannabis industry. So in the meantime, please follow us on social media, subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannabom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.